But there was a man in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter number 5, and his name was Enoch. And you'll remember Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God, and he was not for what? For, for God took him. So Enoch walked with God, and Enoch did not die. There's a time in, in Enoch's life all the way back in the book of Genesis that as he was walking with God, the Bible simply tells us that Enoch was taken up. He was taken in Genesis chapter number 5. The Bible in 2 Kings chapter number 2 tells us of a man by the name of Elijah. And Elijah was taken up in the whirlwind, you remember? His mantle fell on the ground and it was passed down to a man by the name of Elisha. It's another man in the Bible who was taken up. We read of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You remember Jesus? He was standing there and he ascended. He was taken up. You remember there was those there that was clothed in white and they said, hey, you men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing? This same Jesus who was taken up will one day come again. Amen? And that's speaking of Jesus. I study and I preach all the time on our baptismal services in the book of Acts chapter number 8 about the Ethiopian eunuch. How the Ethiopian joined himself to, uh, Philip joined himself to that Ethiopian eunuch. And he told him the scriptures and he commanded the chariot to stand still and, and they both went down in the water and Philip baptized him. And then there was a time there in the book of Acts that Philip just boom, he was gone. And he appeared in another place. He was not resurrected but the Bible simply teaches us that he was there and then he was gone and then he comes back. It's amazing what Christ can do. We, we think of Paul. You, you think about when Paul was, was there and he said, I know a man. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. But he said, that man was called up to where? To the third what? To the third heavens. And he said, I saw things and I heard things that are unspeakable. He said, I can't even begin to imagine all the things that I saw that day. So we know in Revelation chapter number 11, there's the two witnesses during the great tribulation period of time. They will be killed. They will lay on the streets. You remember how long they're going to be laying there for how many days? For three days. And then boom, they're going to be resurrected and they're going to be taken to heaven. But there's so many different things that we could speak about tonight. I think about this, and I want you to think about it. Think about in the days of Noah. Remember the days of Noah? And Jesus said, so as in the days of Noah, it's the same way it's going to be when the Son of Man comes back. You think about in the days of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was a preacher of righteousness. He built the ark. There was one door. There was one way. It don't matter if it was a line. The line had to come through the, ark of the, the door of the ark. Amen? Amen? It don't matter if it was a snail. The snail had to go through the door of the ark. It don't matter if it was an eagle. The eagle had to come down and fly through the door of the ark. Amen? And then Noah and his family and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, they entered inside the ark and God shut the door. You know why God removed him? What was fixing to fall on the earth? Does anybody know what was fixing to fall? It was called a what? A judgment. And that judgment was going to be a flood. 
But it's amazing to me that even back in Noah's day, God removed the man of God and his family before the judgment fell. Think about it. You think about Lot. The Bible calls him righteous Lot. You remember about Lot? Lot and his family was down in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the angels came, and one angel laid a hand on Lot. One angel put a hand on Lot's wife, and the other angel grabbed the kids. And they removed them out of Sodom. And when he removed them out of Sodom, then the fire and brimstone from heaven fell down, and it fell down on Sodom and Gomorrah, and judgment fell on that wicked place. Are you with me? But righteous Lot and his family was removed. I'll tell you what I'm finding out about studying, and I hope this don't bore you, but this is what the Lord dealt with me about sharing tonight. I, I, I hope that you and I understand something about eschatology or the studying of the rapture and the end times and the prophecies in the Bible. What I'm finding out is that a lot of people get hostile over this subject. I didn't realize that the church down the road that believes that they're going to go through the tribulation period would never ask me or Pastor Jason or Zach to ever come preach at their churches. I didn't realize it was that serious. I didn't realize that churches that believe and know, now listen now, I didn't realize that churches that know that we here at Pleasant Hill believe in the rapture can't stand us because we believe in the rapture. I didn't realize that people was that serious about this thing. But I'm going to tell you what I have found out. I have found out that whether you believe in the premillennial view or the amillennial view or the postmillennial view, what is that? That is, you believe that the church will be raptured out before the tribulation period, or you believe that the church will be here for a certain portion of it, and then the church will be removed, or you believe that the church will be here through all of it, through all of it, and then at the end will be the second coming of Christ. At the end of the day, every single one of us, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're going to be with Jesus. Amen? I mean, really, at the end of the day, we're going to be with Jesus. But I'm going to tell you what else I found out. I found out that if you believe that the church is right now in the Great Tribulation period, or you believe that the church is going to go through the Great Tribulation period, then your doctrine of the church in Israel gets all messed up. Because if you believe that the church is going to be here during the Great Tribulation period, then you feel like the church is Israel and Israel is the church. But what I've been studying and what the Lord has shown me through His Word, that the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ is two totally separate events. It really is. It's two totally separate events. And I'm going to share with you some scripture and the differences between the two. Because I think it's very important that you, as a church member of Pleasant Hill Missionary Baptist Church, I believe you need to know why you believe what you believe instead of just saying, I believe that. 
Now, I've been studying a lot, man. I've been studying on the rapture. I've been studying on the tribulation. I've been studying the book of Revelation. I've been studying in John. I've been studying Corinthians. I've been studying Thessalonians. I've been studying in Peter. I've been studying in Titus. I have been digging, man. I mean, I have been digging. But I have been studying other views. I've been studying other beliefs. I've been studying other things. I have been studying church history. And, and what I'm trying to tell you, hey, I have been studying, I have been studying death. I have been studying what it means in the Bible, those that sleep. I have been studying about the new bodies. I have been studying about all of this stuff. And the only thing that I can tell you is, is it's a lot. I mean, it is. Whoa! It is a lot. I've even been studying in the Bible when the Word of God says it is a mystery. I didn't realize how many times the Bible says it was a mystery. But I'm telling you one thing. This thing is, this thing is deep. It really is. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And I just want us to look at some scripture here. And then we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Verses 51 through 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 58. John 14, verses 1, 2, and 3, that's rapture talk. That's what it is. It's, it's Jesus is coming again. Jesus is going to receive us unto himself. That where Jesus is, that's where you and I are going to be also. Are you with me? And boy, what a great day that's going to be. Amen. That's, that's rapture talk. Here in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 58, you will also consider this rapture talk. Look what it says. Here it is. Behold, I show you a, what's that next word? A mystery. I'm going to preach on that or teach on that on Wednesday night, but not tonight. But I'm going to teach on the mysteries of the Bible. And it is an amazing study that I've been studying on these mysteries. We shall not all sleep. What does that mean to sleep? We're going to study that. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Here's some rapture talk. You ready for this? In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. <laughs> you ready? For the trumpet shall sound. The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, speaking of our bodies now, must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible, our dying, decaying body, shall have put on incorruption, the new heavenly body, and this mortal, this dying body, shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Amen? Amen? O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? It's a question. The, strength, the sting of death is sin. Stop there. For the wages of sin is? But the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57. 
But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Pleasant Hill, that's rapture talk. That's rapture talk. Man, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when that trumpet sounds, now there's going to be some trumpets in the book of Revelation, and I've even been studying on them trumpets, Roger. And I'm finding out that that trumpet we're talking about here and that trumpet they're talking about during the tribulation period is two totally different trumpets, Brother Jason. It's not the same trumpets. But what happens is, is when we get our thinking all messed up with the church in Israel, and if we're going to go through this great tribulation period as a church, all of these lines starts getting blurred together. It all starts getting foggy, and it all starts getting confusing, and ain't none of it makes sense after that. Are you with me? Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, look at verses number 13 through 18. Rapture talk. Rapture talk. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. First Thessalonians 4, verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. We're going to talk about that. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain of the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Here it is. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up <laughs> on the count of three say caught up one two three caught up <laughs> then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord Okay, if you believe that the church is going to go through the great tribulation period of time, that you are going to suffer like there has never been any suffering, that the Antichrist is going to rule and reign and you are going to have to fall under his authority and leadership and you are going to have to take the mark of the beast to be able to buy, sell, trade, eat and all that stuff and then the, the, the blood and the, and the curses and all the, the judgments that's going to fall on this earth. If you believe that, then read the last verse, verse number 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There's no way, honey, that I could stand up here and preach that the church is going to suffer like never before and then at the end of it saying, I want to comfort all of y'all with these words. 
I'm going to comfort, comfort you now, girl. It's going to be okay. You're going to suffer like never before. It's going to be the worst thing that you could ever imagine. But comfort yourself with them words. Everything's going to be okay. I'm just trying to say, Brother Cox, if we really, really, really get to thinking about this thing, does it even make any sense? I'm going to ask you a question. Miss Sandy, I'm going to ask you a question. When Jesus Christ died on the cross... The wrath of God was put on His Son because of the sins of the world, true or false? Right? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, He paid your sin debt, and He paid my sin debt. And the wrath of God was placed on His Son on the cross of Calvary so that you and I could be clothed in white robes, so that you and I could be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Amen or not? Amen. Okay. Then if he took the wrath off of us on the cross, then why does he want to put God's wrath back on us during the great tribulation period? If the wrath has been removed, then why at the end does he say, oh, no, 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 now, now I'm going to put the wrath back on you? Does that make any sense? I'm telling you. If we really just get to thinking about some things, it'll begin to make more sense to us. Amen? So we see 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 looks like rapture talk. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 looks like rapture talk slash tribulation talk. Look at it with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But of the times, if you're there, say Amen. But of the times and the seasons, brethren. Why would he say brethren? Because he's talking to who? He's talking to believers. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now let's slow down and read this very carefully. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when, what's that next word? They, they, keep that in mind. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon who? Them. As travail upon a woman with child, and who? They shall not escape. Who, who are them and they? We are not them and they. <laughs> we are the brothers and sisters in Christ. So, so, so stop just for a second and ask yourself, okay, who are them and who are they? Who are them and who are they? And who are them and who are they that are this sudden destruction is going to come upon them and they shall not escape? Now look at verse 4. For ye, there it is again, again what? For ye what? Brethren. For ye, brethren. You're, you're not in darkness. That that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye, you, not they and them, ye, brethren, sisters, ye are all the children of what? And the children of the? We are not of the night, nor of darkness. You see, he's talking to the brothers. He's talking to the brethren. And then he mentions them and they that's going to go through this suffering. And, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's not, they're not going to be able to escape it. 
Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us, that's us, watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night, but let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of what? Salvation. Verse 9, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We could stop in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Thessalonians 5, and I don't think that I even have to preach it. I think the Word of God is explaining the Word of God. Should we read it again or do you get it? I'm serious. Should we read it again or do you get it? We're not them and they. We're the brothers. We're us. And he said, he said it right here. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Just look at the ours and the uses and the we's and the they's and the them. And it explains it so simply. Are you with me? <laughs> what did I say wrong? I ain't worried about it. Just look at that. Because God knows, amen? Does he know or does he not know? He knows. He knows. First Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. Hebrews, James, first and second Peter, first Peter chapter number one. Look at verse number three. First Peter chapter number one, verse number three. There's this big debate that goes on with all of the different views that the Bible writers the Bible writers, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, Peter, uh, Titus, Philemon, all these different books, the, the different books in the New Testament. There's, there's this big debate that goes on that says they didn't believe in the rapture. The rapture is a modern day view. They didn't believe that. First Peter chapter number one, verse number three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What is our lively hope? I mean, what is our hope? If, if we have hope, <laughs> if we have hope, our hope cannot be in this world because if our hope is in this world, we are all men most miserable. So our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the world to come. Amen? Because we're just pilgrims and strangers passing through this place, my friends. This is not our home. And that's the problem. We act like this is our home, but this is not our home. He has begotten us. We are born again. He has, he has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We're serving a resurrected Savior tonight. 
to an inheritance. What is this inheritance? It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. And it fades not away. It's reserved in heaven for somebody. It says it's reserved in heaven for somebody. Who's it for? Who's it for? (laughs) It's reserved in heaven for you, Steve, and for me. Are you with me? Who are kept. (laughs) Man, I'm telling you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Hmm. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing, at the appearing, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. When you look up that word appearing in verse number 7, it means the coming, the appearing. Here in Peter, Peter's talking about the coming of Jesus. Here in Peter, Peter's talking about the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. And people says, well, I don't know. I mean, did, did, did the Bible, did the Bible writers even believe in the rapture? Look at verse number 13 of this chapter. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end. For the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That word revelation, verse number 13, also means the coming of Christ. The coming of Christ. Peter mentions, Peter mentions, listen. In the days that Peter was writing this scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was writing then about the coming of Jesus. You with me? All right. Turn with me to the book of Titus. Titus and Philemon. Titus and Philemon. Titus, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians. Remember, all the T's are together. 1st and 2nd Timothy. 1st and 2nd Timothy. Titus. Titus chapter number 2. And let's look at, uh, let's look at verse number 13. Titus 2 and verse number 13. Titus 2 and verse number 13. Let's look, at, uh, let's look at verse number 12. Because you know what I'm finding out? Listen now, this will help you too. You know what I'm finding out about people that believe in the rapture? People that believe in the rapture, that's the imminent return of Jesus. It could happen at any moment. I'm having to learn some words too while I'm studying this, by the way, Pastor Jason. Pray for you, preacher man. Jesus could return at any moment. Do you believe that or not? He could. You know what else I'm finding out about people that believe in the rapture and the imminent return of Christ? They believe that missions is very important. They do. They believe that getting the gospel message out, Brother Larry, around the world is a must. And you cannot spin your wheels. If you're going to do it, you better get on with it. Right? You know what else people that believe in the rapture, you know what, you know what else you'll find out about people that believe in the rapture? 
They believe that if Jesus Christ could come back tonight, then I better be right with God if he's going to come back tonight. Amen? If you truly believe that tonight could be the night, then let me go ahead and tell you something, my friends. I'd get everything fixed up between you and whoever something's wrong with. I would. Amen? Okay. What, what happens here in the book of Titus? Look at verse number 12 that leads to verse number 13. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, you know how we should live? We should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Now look what happens. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's rapture talk. That's, that's all it can be. It's rapture talk. And it's not just some new modern way that a group of people got together and said, maybe we ought to think that there's going to be a rapture. It was ordained by God when they was writing the scriptures. It's rapture talk. Okay. I'm going to make a couple more statements and I got something I want to read to you, some comparisons that, that, that ought to help you more than anything because it's really helped me. Do you think, Pastor Keith, the church could go through a lot of hard things? Oh, yes. I do. But then this thought came to me today when I was praying. How many of you just heard on the TV and radio here lately that if things really get escalated, there could be a World War III? Have you heard that? If there is a World War III... Does that mean that the church is in the great tribulation period, Pastor? There's a World War I. Right? Evidently, there's a World War II. Right? There's a Vietnam War. There's a Korean War. We could go on. These, listen, there is, listen, church, there is always has been and always will be conflict in the Middle East until that last final battle that's called the Battle of Armageddon where all the armies of the world will gather there, you and I will get to come back with Jesus, right? In white robes. <laughs> I like what David Jeremiah said, why in the world would God want to bring all of his saints and his angels back to the earth for a battle in white robes? Because we ain't going to have to do nothing but stand there and watch. Because all that Jesus Christ is going to do is speak a word. And when he speaks the word, it's over. That battle's won. Whoa, that's right. That battle is won, my friends. You with me? I'm going to throw something else out there. My wife says, sometimes messages like this kind of get me confused and I, and, I, and I can't stay with you. I know I'm chasing a lot of rabbits. But if the second coming of Jesus and the rapture is a simultaneous event, if it happens at the same time, if they happen at the same time, when's the marriage supper of the Lamb going to happen? 
When's the Bema seat judgment going to happen? There's so many biblical events that they're in a tape, they're in a time. Hey, listen, the rapture is pinpointed down to the second. The, the, the Antichrist coming is pinpointed down to the second. The second coming of Jesus, it's already, hey, listen, it's already recorded. It's, when, when it's time, it's happening, man. But if you put two of them events together, it's going to mess up a lot of stuff there in Revelation. You're not going to have time. Jesus is not going to have time to get it all done. I'm just saying. <laughs> you can't get the two messed up. Are you with me? And we're not Israel. Do you, do you honestly think that you're going to be part of the 144,000? You're going to be one of the 12,000 out of each tribe of Israel? Come on now. You think that's talking to you, a Gentile? You're going to be a hundred. You're going to be, Jason, you're going to be one of the 144,000 at the end. No, you're not. Your name is not Jason Cox. I'm not making fun. I'm just trying to make a point. We're going to be in heaven looking over the banister, seeing a lot of things. Hey, listen, this tribulation period, it's got a purpose. It's got a purpose. God is going to get his chosen people back to him. And God is going to judge the world who's turned their back on him, period. Can you tell me what else it's for? What else is it for? What else is it for? Just so God can be mean? If you take notes, write this down. I'm going to say it very slow. If you study the rapture and you, you study the second coming of Christ, here's the differences. You ready? The rapture. Christ comes in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. The rapture, Christ comes in the air. The return, the second coming. Zechariah 14, 4. Christ ascends to the earth, to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. You can't get those two events mixed up. You can't get those two events mixed up, child of God. There is the rapture and there is the return. In the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 again, Christ comes for his saints in the rapture. In the return, Christ comes with his saints in the rapture, he comes for them, but in the return, he comes with them. 1 Thessalonians 3.13 and Jude 14. There's a difference. In the rapture, living believers are called up to heaven. In the return, there's no mention of the, the rapture of living saints anywhere of the return. In the rapture, believers depart the earth. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. 
But in the return, unbelievers are taken away. Matthew 24, 37 through 41. Matthew 24 gets more of us Christians confused on the rapture and the second coming more than about any verses in all the Bible. Are you with me? The rapture, Christ claims his bride. In the return, the bride comes with him. Amen, we're with him. In the rapture, Christ gathers his own. And in the second coming, the angels gather the elect. Matthew 24, 31. This is a big one. In the rapture, Christ comes to reward. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. But in the return... The second coming, Christ comes to judge, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. You may go on or stop. For the rapture, there is no signs for the rapture. It's imminent. It could happen now. But for the second coming of Christ... The second coming of Christ, Matthew 24, verses 4 through 29, are the signs of the second coming of Christ, not the rapture. In the rapture, it's a time of blessings and comfort. We just read it, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. But in the second coming, it's a time of destruction and judgment. 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12. In the rapture, it involves believers only. Believers only. John 14, we read them. 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4.13. The rapture involves believers only. But in the second coming, it involves all people on the earth. Same chapter, Matthew 24 and also chapter number 25 through verse 46. In the rapture. It's going to happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in a blink. Boom! You're out of here, amen? 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. But in the second coming of Christ, it's going to be visible for the whole entire world to see it. Matthew 24, 27 and Revelation 1, 7. It's a lot of information. There's a lot of verses. There's a lot of things. There's a lot more that I feel like I need to preach and I need to teach. I really, really want to teach on sleeping, what it means to be asleep, and I really, really want to teach on the mysteries that the Bible says this is a mystery. But I come tonight to let you know something, child of God. This world could get really bad. By the time you and I get home tonight, this thing could be turned completely upside down. Our troops could go help Israel, Iran. It ain't been too long ago. God sent a message here to let us know that we need to be watching somebody and it don't need to be Russia. Do y'all remember that? 
We need to be watching who? Iran. We could get home tonight and we could find out that our troops are going to go in and help Israel. And Iran and all them other countries around Israel, they're going to lose the plot, man. They are. They're going to lose it. And this thing could escalate into a World War III. I'm not here to scare us. I'm just here to tell you that could happen before the sun comes up in the morning. But I'm going to tell you something, child of God. My hope and your hope is not in this world. And my hope and your hope is not in our government or in anything else that this world has to offer. Our hope our living hope, our lively hope, our hope is that one day Christ will take his bride home. And we might have to hurt really, really bad before that happens. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm just going to rest in the arms of Jesus. And I'm going to trust him, church. Let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in the Lord. He's got this thing. He's got this, church. He's got it. I told my wife this today. I read it. We just stood in the kitchen and cried. You remember when you was a little boy or a little girl? You'd be sitting there on the couch watching TV or playing games, and man, you'd been playing all day long, and you was wore out, man. You was just wore out. And you could hear mom and daddy talking, or company was over, and you could hear them all talking, but little by little, you could hear it all begin to fade away. It seemed like you got so far away, and the next thing you know, boom, you was gone. You remember that happening to you when you was little? You remember that? And then all of a sudden, miraculously, I'd wake up in my bed. <laughs> and, and my hands would be washed, and my face would be washed, and my dirty blue jeans, and old nasty shirt was off, and I had on pajamas. And I'd wake up, and I'd be like, that was amazing. You remember that? And some of you can still do it for your kids now. <laughs> you know who carry you to bed? Nine times out of ten, it's probably your father. Picked you up. Carried you to bed. When you woke up, all you know is, is you was in one place dirty. <laughs> and when you woke up, you was in another place, and you was clean. That's what it's going to be, church. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're going to fall asleep one day. And this old body's going to go back to the dirt. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We'll get, into, we'll get into that. And you're going to wake up. And you're going to be in a different place. And it's all going to be good. Because Daddy carried you there. <laughs> Son, that'll preach. Daddy got you there, amen? 
Ain't nothing like it. I wish Abigail was here tonight. When she was a little bitty girl, we'd pull up in the driveway and would say, Autumn Jackson, we're home. And they'd be like, ugh. Wake up, we're home. Ugh. And they'd get out of that car and they'd go staggering up them steps like this. And Tina would look in the back seat and Abigail was so much younger than them. And when Tina would look back there, she'd go. <laughs> Tina would start laughing. She'd say, well, it looks like Abigail's asleep. You're going to have to carry her. Tina would get the diaper bag and I'd get her. And I remember I'd lay her head. She'd lay her head on my shoulder and I'd go carrying her and Tina would be behind me. And she'd have her head on my shoulder and I'd be carrying her. And she, she thought that I thought she was asleep. And when I'd be carrying her, she'd look at Tina and go. <laughs> and she'd close her eyes. And then I'd carry her in there and I'd say, Good night, little girl. I love you. And she'd go, I'm not asleep. Have you ever heard this saying? That person's breathing their last breath. They are right on death's what? Door. That's a fact. But not only are they right on death's door, they're right on heaven's door. It's going to be all right. Amen. 